How y'all doing? Just this morning, Nicole's like, I'm kind of sick of doing transition. Uh, she's like, we have some really amazing people that can do it, but I feel like the Lord's going to send us more. And um, Corey, I think you got a, another role here. So, dang, right? How many felt the power of Holy Spirit on that? Wow. I was like, yeah, more Lord. So, listen, um, part of I was speaking on was God's narrative, so I'll bring that up here in a minute. Um, but, man, can we just start with a couple testimonies? Um, last week, we, we did baptisms. That was so much fun. It was, it was somewhat impromptu, somewhat short notice. Uh, but Whitney and Josh joins, man, you, you, you made it so amazing. And the Lord transforming who you are and your minds and, and your, your souls, your spirit, your, who you are is just awesome. To see your stories throughout the week on Facebook and shining that light, I'm so proud of each of you. And, and that was one of the best, funnest baptism services I've ever been a part of. Just, just to hear your words up here and what was said in your heart. And uh, man, guys, that was awesome. I spoke on, we're in a three-week series here. We're going to continue it, but we are going to confront the issues at hand this week. We are going to go straight into this. We'd have our head in the sand, and we'd be doing a disservice to the kingdom if we didn't confront some of the things and say that there are some realities happening right now with the enemy on assignment to divide our nation, to divide the, the, the body of Christ. And uh, so we're going to just go head in. And, but I feel that the greatest solution is Jesus Christ. And, and it goes right along with week three of, of the gifts and uh, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit should look like something when he's living inside us. And it doesn't look like throwing rocks through windows. It doesn't look like hate. It doesn't look like belittling any race or any law enforcement officer. You know, Holy Spirit looks a lot better than that. So no matter where you are on this spectrum, and I want to make sure I empathize and I, and I try to gain understanding, even though I don't have understanding of all of this. And I'm not going to sit here today and pretend that I do. I've never walked in a brown or black man's shoes. I've never walked as a police officer. I'm a hero all the time, no matter where I go. I'm a firefighter. Everybody wants a firefighter around. Like, I don't get this. So, so I can't pretend and sit here that I know what people are going through. I know the emotion. I know the heart. Or I even know the ancestry history behind some of this. But I do know this. This is a plan from the enemy to divide, distract, and, and, and create further chaos in our nation and the body of Christ. And let me just tell you, Jesus will win, and he does win. We read the end of the book. He wins. So week three, we're going to go into this, but I got a te another testimony from last week. We talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of Holy Spirit, and there was a woman watching through our live stream. There's a woman connected to Patty's group and uh, never been here at Upper Room, but she's watching, and as we begin to sing at the end, she began to sing, and she just started to sing on her own, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, and before she knew it, she was, she was singing in a prayer language in another tongue and had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit online in her living room. Again, if you missed last week or that confuses you or you don't know what I'm talking about, watch last week's message because I talk about the gifts of Holy Spirit, the manifestations of Holy Spirit, baptism of Holy Spirit, prophecy are meant to ex exploit God's love. These are love gifts. They're not salvation gifts. They're not, they're not measuring tools. They're simply gifts of love to, to exhort uh, each other as well as edify ourselves. And there's a different numerous amounts of gifts and different things. Today, I just want to go into this, and, and I, I just want to uh, just kind of talk about my week. That's where I'd love to start, is um, talk about where I've been on this. And 
I've been like asking like David's prayer, oh Lord, search out my heart. Search in me, Lord. Search, search out in me. Is there, is there anything in me? Is there racism in me? Do I feel I'm better than somebody else? Do I feel, you know, um, that, that somebody else is not as good or, or based on, you know, socioeconomic status or race or color or religion? Like, am I, am I bigoted? And, and the Lord just began to bring me on this journey this week and just begin to help me search out. And Tuesday, I woke up just weeping. I... I had been watching just a little bit of news, a little bit of the things, but my heart was broken. As I feel the Lord's heart was broken in many of these matters. And I just was heartbroken because I know that our our fight isn't flesh and blood, it's principalities. And I'm going to reference that verse here in a moment, but I was heartbroken to see the destruction in our nation. I was heartbroken to see the division in our nation and even the body of Christ. Even some preachers I follow to see them create further divides and wedges among races and, and different things. And I just began to become heartbroken and, and I began to just, just uh, pray and, and seek out the Lord and what he was wanting. Not emotion, not media, but what is the Lord saying in this? Corey and I, we met for coffee Tuesday morning and, and he says, so what, what are you feeling? And I was like, man, I th- I'm thankful we're meeting. I, I need Jesus right now. And, and I just began to weep. I was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm usually only like this on the stage when the Holy Spirit comes upon me. He's like, no, man, it's good. He's like, I was praying that the Lord would use me to strengthen you today. And we just began to just process and dialogue. We're like, what is the Lord's narrative in all of this? We know that George Floyd's death is, is simply something on the surface in, a, in, a, in an event that stirred something else up. It's not the death in itself. It's not the law enforcement issue in itself. It's not the racism thing in itself. But something is stirred up and something is coming to the surface that we now get to deal with on a kingdom perspective. It's against authority. It's, it's religious mindsets. It's, it's, it's still slavery in different forms. And, and I start to see these tags, Black Lives Matter. I start to see all these things. And then I see these opposing sides. I see slander against law enforcement and those who are serving and protecting and my heart was just broken. And, and I'm, I'm here to say that it was an insightful week. I began to seek out the Lord. And I began to, to dig and I began to see what is the problems. And I went to a peaceful prayer gathering at Richard's Chapel in Troy. And uh, Nicole said, did you have to go? I was like, well, the mayor asked my brother to go, who's the chief. And my chief, who's my brother, asked me to go. So, yes, I had to go. But I wanted to go. And it was so well ran. It was so good. And I began to see things from a different perspective. I began to ask Jason, like, hey, was there, what, did you struggle with racial things in the school that you grew up in Fairborn? My brother-in-law, to hear him, who was up here, who's, who's Asian, you know, who's, his mom's full of Korean. His dad met her in Korea in the military. We have so many nations represented here in this congregation, including two people from two different nations in Africa who came here from Africa. We have a church in Costa Rica, Mexico, St. Lucia. We, we have these ministries and covenant relationships. We have Japan represented here, Philippines. Like, we are a very diverse group of body of believers. So I began to just go through this week and I was at that meeting. I began to hear things from young kids and I began to hear things and hear their cry. And some things I couldn't relate to, some things I, I didn't understand, but I just chalked it up to God like, Lord, you, you deal with this. You, you bring peace. You bring reconciliation. You bring the heart matter here to the, to the surface so that we can accept you in our heart and resolve all of this. 
But to say the least, it was an insightful week to hear Robert tell me stories and, and through Leah that, that as a young child, even today, he'll go out to dinner and hear racial slurs being Asian. You know, to hear these things and hear people still struggle with this. So yeah, we got some issues in our nation. We got some issues in the body of Christ. And, and I grew up with some pastors saying racial jokes. And, and I remember just hearing them tell these things and even sexual jokes. I'm like, man, you're a man of God preaching from a pulpit. Now at lunch, you're saying this. As a kid, as a boy, I remember hearing this. Not my dad, but other pastors he'd bring in. And, you know, you'd hear these things. And <clears throat> for me, where, where I'm at with this is I was heartbroken to see this, to see that there are still some issues, to see the hate towards law enforcement, to see the hate towards races. But yet, also to see that we've come so far that we may go backwards. To see over hundreds of years how we have advanced and how we have made progress. And my heart is that we don't go backwards. We continue to propel forward. Yeah. I called a long family friend of ours, Charlie Carnes, who's African-American pastor at a church in Troy. And I said, what's, what's your take on this? I want to know. I want to have wisdom in this. I don't, I don't want to just assume things. I don't want to jump on a side. I don't want to be emotional. I want what's the heart matter here. And he began to dialogue with me and just share his, his heart, his feelings, his perspective. And he's like, Aaron, you've had a lot of young people pinned up for three months in quarantine. They are ready. And it's young people who are against authority and young people who are just looking for a fight. If you look at the protests, it's mostly young people, white and black, fighting. And he said, and there's two choices right now. And I believe we here, we have two choices. We have the choice of peace and reconciliation in Jesus, or we have the, the choice of division, hostility, and separation. And back, and he, I said, how does this compare to the civil rights movement? Are we moving back in that direction? Is this as angry? Is this as hostile? And I called my dad and asked him the same thing. How does this compare to the civil rights movement in the 60s and 70s? And both of them said, oh, no, it doesn't compare. We're not there. Now we got to stop it because it's building some momentum. He's like, but we are not there. We are not where we used to be. And I began to ask him, and he said, listen, people have two choices right now. And just like Martin Luther King Jr., there were two choices in that time of the civil rights movement. They could go peaceful with Martin Luther King Jr., who was advocating peace, advocating progress, advocating equality. But then there was Malcolm X, who was advocating violence and advocating destruction and division. And I, I still feel there's those two sides. And, and I can't, listen, we can't hold unbelievers accountable to the account that we hold to love and peace and unity there are unbelievers out there protesting and with hatred on all directions and we can't hold them accountable but what we can do is show the light and the love of jesus so we as believers if we're choosing to protest or be at those rallies or be at those prayer vigils we get to shine the light pastor friend of mine dale christian he pastors first baptist in troy we were talking through the week i was like hey where are you at what are you preaching on this week what's going on he's like well i'm going to that prayer rally He's like, I'm going to that thing on, on, on Thursday, and I, I think I'm just going to try to pray for people. I was like, all right, man, I'll see you there. So the, this is what we get to do. We get to be light and darkness. We get to be unity where there's division. We as believers get to bring Christ into the picture, Holy Spirit in the picture, and know that there are issues. There are, there are problems. We can't deny that. But I, and even if we can't relate to it, I'm calling African-American friends that I have. I'm calling. I'm meeting with people. You know, what have you gone through? I'm asking Jason on prayer night, man, what have you went through? What have you struggled with? Was this an issue as you grew up? 
You know, and just trying to say, it, what's the reality of all this? And then, most of all, most importantly, where Corey and I went to and where he was talking about in transition is, what's God's narrative in all of this? Because what the enemy means for destruction, and it says in Genesis, God will use for good. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy in John 10, 10. But Jesus came to give what? Life and life more abundantly. So we need to bring down heaven and we need to let the floodgates of God's love, his spirit, his power, his mercy. Let me tell you the one thing that, the only thing that triumphs over judgment is what? Mercy. Let mercy reign. Let God reign and rule in this situation. Let me, let me move on here. But what's God's narrative? And as I begin to study data and I begin to think and, and hear the tag and, and see that thing of Black Lives Matter, I begin to like come in agreement. Yes, they do matter. Absolutely. But then I begin to see that there's organizations attached to this that are, that are not what I'm in agreement with. And then I see that, like, as far as Black Lives Mattering and all of this, I see that there was more babies aborted in New York City the last couple years than there were born. I begin to see the statistics and the data, and I see that, that there, the African-American um, race has more abortions in the last seven years than any race. I'm seeing crime statistics, and I'm seeing these things. Yes, they matter, including the little ones, including the unborn ones. And, and, and instead of getting frustrated by seeing that tag, that's something that motivates me to say, man, I'm so thankful we're partnering with the Miami Valley Women's Center that are putting a dent and trying not to do it, Planned Parenthood, and wipe out a race. To find out that the founder of Planned Parenthood, her, one of her goals and agendas is to wipe out the African-American race. As I'm finding this, that yes, black lives matter, and as I'm finding and discovering what the roots and some of the causes, this is not a battle of flesh and blood. This is not even a battle of just races. This is not a battle against law enforcement. This is a spiritual battle. There is something attached to this that is far more than somebody's knee and somebody's neck that did an injustice that de deserves justice. This is far bigger than that. And this is something that the Lord is allowing to come to the surface that we can see and that we can go after to bring Christ into our nation, to bring Christ into all races, to bring Christ into Black Lives Mattering for the right reasons in the right realms and actually doing something about it. This is a thing where law enforcement lives matter, that unborn babies' lives matter. This is a thing that the Lord is using to bring data, to bring organizations that have corrupt agendas to the surface to hopefully defund them, take away their momentum so that more black babies can be born in New York City than are aborted. That almost a million babies won't be aborted this year that's on pace for. These lives matter. We need to make an impact, and we need to quit just getting mad about things and actually do something about it. Let me go to the word here. I want to tell one fun story. Because I think there's something to say, well, we're all the same. That's what I always said. Like, we're all the same. I don't see color. And, and this week, the Lord kind of convicted me in that. Let me, let me share a story. We live next door to my parents. We built a house, and uh, they had almost two acres. We bought an acre. So it was a good distance between our houses, at least a couple football fields, one or two football fields. And one day, Chloe is so excited, she sees Grandpa Greg out. And Chloe, Chloe, raise your hand, she's my teenager, who's beautiful and amazing. 
She's three or four, and she sees Grandpa going into the house, and she runs all across our yards, both yards. Grandpa screaming the whole time, just her little legs, just, just, poof. She saw Grandpa come home, and then I'm, I'm kind of jogging with her, and it's the most hilarious thing. Kenny, who started service today, was walking up to my parents' door to drop something off, and Kenny, uh, she gets literally right to his feet, looks up, and does one of those, and then they just hug. <laughs> So I've always bragged about that, that even my daughter couldn't distinguish Kenny from Grandpa. So we don't see color, right? But then as I prayed through the week, and Kenny's like is one of the darkest black men that we have here. Matter of fact, we joke around that, that our paper towel dispensers in our bathroom, they're automatic, and he has to turn his palm up for them to work. They don't recognize dark men. <laughs> <laughs> he said, true story, social engineering. So anyway, we joke about this, and we, we have fun with this, that we are a bride that has unity, that don't see color. But, but then as I go through this week, it's like, I should see color. I want to see color. Because I want to see the diversity and the uniqueness, the way God created it, not the way we've made it, but the way God created and designed it, that we're all different. We all, but not just race and color of skin, personality, calling and purposes, anointings, giftings. Where you come from is a, is a neighborhood, let's say, that I can't go into and reach, but God's called you to do it because you came from there. Whether it's, it's the suburbs or the hood or wherever, God actually created you from where you're at, the color of your skin, the color of your eyes, your hair, your personality, and your anointing to reach the people around you. And if we were all the same, it'd be a very boring, mundane world. You all can't be Pastor Aaron. I'm the only one. Nicole can testify to that. I'm the only weird Pastor Aaron because <laughs> he calls me a peculiar people. Listen, we're all peculiar. He calls us his peculiar people, his royal priesthood. I want to see color in a way to celebrate it. I want to see differences in the way to celebrate it. I want to see those who are serving us in a way to celebrate it. I want to see those computer programmers who are making stuff like this on live stream happen and celebrate it. I can't do the C++ computer programming as much as I don't, I don't want to do other jobs. Like I've, I cut down 44 trees last year on my property. Oh, we're up to 45 now. 44. I don't want to do that for a living. I only do that because I have to. But I appreciate the guys that came and helped me with one that I couldn't do myself and grinded all those 26 stumps we had ground. Like, like I want to celebrate this diversity and what people are called to and how they're made and created. Let me get to the word now. Let me read Ephesians 6, 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, our fight isn't against a man, a woman, an African-American, a police officer. This is a much deeper, greater fight, and it's a spiritual fight. And I don't know about you, but I want to let God fight my battles. I just get to exploit his love, his light, his goodness, his power, his spirit, his signs, his wonders, his miracles. I want to let God fight my battle. The Bible says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. I don't need to be a Facebook warrior and sit behind a screen and just, just engage in everybody. I like Corey. I'm going to intercede. Even when I see a post I don't like, even when I see a post I don't understand, I get to pray for that person. I get to pray for that. I get to intercede into that. I get to pour into that. I get to weep into that. Listen, the shortest verse in the entire Bible says Jesus wept. 
Maybe it's the shortest verse in the Bible because maybe it has the greatest impact. Maybe the things that we begin to weep over and actually tear over and actually pour seeds of tears into the ground will produce a harvest and have impact. Maybe things we do need to get in the middle of through weeping and intercession so that we can have authority over the things we weep for and maybe the outcomes are gonna look a whole lot different than we think. It may not be a fight or an argument, but there might be fruit in those tears that are producing a harvest, that are going into the ground, that are going into that Bible, that are going into that lap, that are going into that floor by weeping over something, whatever that is. Acts 2, let's see how the Lord designed and and created us to handle this. I skipped over a few verses last week talking about the day of Pentecost. And I skipped over them because the cities and the regions are so hard to read. I ain't gonna lie. Those cities and those names in the Bible, they're hard to read. I don't wanna look like a fool. Okay, so I skipped over them. So, because they really, for last week, they had no purpose. And I don't wanna look dumb. So, the very things I skipped over have so much impact for this day, for this time, for these weeks, for this season. It says, so, it says Acts 2, and it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Some versions say, in one mind and one accord. All right, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Sounding familiar from last week? In verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, now there were dwelling, uh, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Here we go. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, Belonging to Serene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and Preselites, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. How bad did I butcher those? <laughs> Steve Justice is probably watching online doing this. It's okay, he loves me. <laughs> I skipped over that because they're hard to read, but basically summarize all people from all walks of life, all nations, all races, all colors of skin are coming together, and it says, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? This is the first church. This is Jesus ascended. He says, somebody's greater than me. I'm going to pour out my spirit. Go wait. And all of these people come to this upper room, and the day of Pentecost happens, and they all were together in what? One mind, one accord. They're in unity. Verse 42, we go into what I read last week, going, skipping to verse 42. And they devoted them, I'm not skipping because there's more hard things to read. This is just the point of the message. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. All these people from all colors, all races, all languages, all regions, all nations are coming together and devoting themselves to the Lord and each other. Amen. Do you think they had any disagreements ever? You think they all thought the same? <laughs> we'll get into more of that. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing them and proceeds to all as any had need. They were even meeting each other's needs. 
They sold everything, came together as a unified body of believers to pursue Jesus, to pursue sharing his gospel. And then it says in verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They're not only going to church every day, they're inviting each other in each other's houses every day. Now, that's a lot of church. I think we'd have some complainers in here, but okay, we're going to have church every day. And after church, then you're going to invite each other to all your houses every night. You'd be like, it's going to be my Sabbath every day. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Why do you think people were being added day by day? couple things. Jesus was there. Holy Spirit was there. Signs and wonders accompanying them, and they actually showed the love of the body of Christ that we're supposed to show. Black, white, brown, pink, purple. They showed the love of Jesus no matter where they were from, and they shared meals together. They had fun together. They came with gladness, and they were generous. Now that is the picture of what the church is supposed to look like. Not just this building, but the church, the bride, the body of Christ. <laughs> no matter what color you are, no matter what city you come from, or what nation your building's in. Like we are the body of believers that come together with one mind and one accord. Let's flip over to Acts 13. This just further emphasizes this. And again... There are fruits of the Spirit we're going to talk about. But there is a purpose of Holy Spirit in you. It's also for others. It's for your edification, but it's also for others. Holy Spirit gives us purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. Say, I got purpose. I had so much outline to read here. Let's see what we can do. 13.1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were, let's read them in a minute. Of the prophets and teachers. All right, all you church folk know how different a prophet and a teacher is. Anybody who knows that, say amen. <laughs> They're different. We have meetings. We have prophets here. We have teachers here. We have apostolic leaders here. We have pastoral people here. We have these different varieties of the fivefold that they're referencing here. And there's teachers and prophets. And let me just say, like, like there is the spectrum of, like, like how you are in your personality. Well, prophets are like way over here and teachers are over here and sometimes how they think, how they view. Well, what should be more important? What, it's like, you know, evangelist is kind of like way over here and Josh's pastoral heart's like way over there. And the apostolic's like, let's just all get along and do it all together and let's advance the kingdom and let heaven come. So you have these differences, but it's saying here that the prophets and teachers, so again, diversity, celebrating the diversity. And then it says, Barnabas... Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Serene, and Menane, the childhood companion of King Herod, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, I want to encourage you today. This is just an encouragement. It's not that you have to, all right? Encourage fasting a portion or all of media for a few days, a week, 21 days. Let's see what your perspective does if you stop looking at those Instagram posts that you hate. <laughs> Or those lives, those instant lives that you get jealous of. Let me just tell you, life ain't always perfect, and you're only seeing the insta version of everything. But there's things, there's even media news outlets that are skewing this all which ways. I bet if we stopped watching that and consuming our lives and our hearts and our minds and our thoughts with that and more with the word and prayer and what God's narrative is on all of this, we might change our perspective. 
Now, I don't want to be ignorant. I want to know a little what's going on so I can pray for it. But I bet if we came together, worshiped in prayer, and did some fasting, we may actually hear the voice of the Lord just a little more clear. The Holy Spirit said, dedicate Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has purpose to send. There's also a special thing on covering. There's a special thing on ascending and blessing somebody to go versus, I don't like what they're preaching. I don't even know what this is or that is or what they're doing with this and that. And I don't even agree with that. It's good to do my own thing. There's something powerful of the laying on of hands, blessing, sending, and sending with forgiveness and making sure there's unity. Going on, they went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. Now here's what they did. They began to begin to minister and share the gospel and meet. And it goes on. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil. Now we like to say a lot more slang and curse words, son of this, son of that. Next time you want to say it, just say, son of the devil. Son of, just, just don't curse anybody, all right? Son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all is good. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? How many of you see some of this going on? And I believe the Lord, like Paul here, the Lord's saying, you son of the devil, I'm going to blind you. Listen, there is a day that the devil's going to get. He's going to get his day in hell in the eternal lake of fire, and he's going to get everything he deserves, and it's going to be marvelous for every believer and God's people. And he is going to rot, and he is going to be in pain, and he is going to pay for every assignment that he's been on, every marriage, every nation, every division, every addiction. He's going to pay. He's going to get his day in judgment in hell. Doesn't that sound fun for us? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teachings about the Lord. Jesus is the answer. Let me just tell you, there's all this going on. There's all this turmoil. The Lord's going to come in and blind people so that the kingdom can advance and the gospel can go forward and Jesus can be made famous and known and to enter every heart, everyone who receives it. Verse, going down to 17. The God of this nation of Israel chose. Now, now listen, I, I feel there's a climate here of, of wanting to repeat history. All right, let me read this storyline. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery. He put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Then he destroyed seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to the Israel as the inheritance. All this took 450 years. There has been oppression and divisions and racism for hundreds of years. But one moment of Jesus can wipe away every division, every racial thing, every tension, everything against people serving us and law enforcement. One touch of Jesus, one moment in his presence, one moment for our nation, all of a sudden hearts turn, agendas turn, and we see the narrative of the Lord. Going to verse 49. I'm almost 40, and I'm having a hard time seeing this stuff. I, I, I just want to refuse to wear those glasses. And all of you who are like 45 or 50, you're like, it'll come. (laughs) 
So the Lord's message spread throughout the region. Now listen up. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they, anybody hear some of the storyline going on? Jesus is wanting to intervene. Jesus is wanting to do something. And now there's, there's people choosing not the God route and not the peaceful route, not the unity route. And now suddenly there's mob mentalities and violence. That is not the answer. And it says, so they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit still wins. Verse 14, the same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogues and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. So, and then Jesus, like Jesus. We, 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 we get through this storyline and we get through, man, Acts 13 is so powerful um, in, in what this is and what the Lord is doing. You know what's crazy? I just noticed my Bible does not have Acts 14. I go straight from 13 to 15. So weird. I, I didn't have Samuel in my last Bible I bought. Like Samuel was just uh, omitted. <laughs> Get back to that. So you got Barnabas and Paul going through these regions. And even when it becomes turmoil and mob-like mentality and riots and these things, they move on. And guess what? They do the same exact thing over. Bringing Jesus, bringing the light, bringing the love. How many believe that's what us believers should be doing? Amen. Let me get to Galatians 5, 22 and 23 as I close here. The, the team can come up. We got some fun things planned as we close. Galatians 5, 23 through 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience and tolerance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. Against such things, there's what? No law. You can't overdose somebody on joy. <laughs> you can't overdose somebody on love. Like, or, or even like we teach our kids, if you can't control yourself, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have to intervene and control you. And sometimes when we control you, it looks like spanking. But we'd much rather you control yourself because that's what Jesus wants you to do because he lives in you. You have self-control. Now, I, I just want to challenge you, like, when you, when you read some of the things you read this week, or you, you saw some of that, what came out when you read that? Was it the fruits of the Spirit? When you were seeing things you didn't agree with on either side with any of this issue at hand, if you saw stuff where you're like, pff, pff, tear gas, or, or was it, man, just, Lord, bless them. Lord, bless them. Listen, when we're squeezed, that's the test of who's living inside us. When we're squeezed, when we see something we hate, when we see something we don't like, when we see an injustice, if somebody does something wrong towards us or says something bad against us or gossips behind our back, <laughs> uh, what comes out? Is it love, joy, peace, forbearance? Is it self-control? Is it kindness and gentleness? Or is it, ah, to the sword we go! No, Romans says don't do that. Even those in leadership and authority, don't raise the sword. God put them in. Let me go to 1 Corinthians 13. 13, 13, it says, now abide. Now, now Paul gives us what we know is the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Read it almost every wedding and referenced so often. 
I believe it's more than a definition. I believe it's an invitation to live life that way. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It keeps no track of wrongs. You go through all these things of what love is. Can we live our life that way? Can we treat others that way? If Christ is in us, the hope of glory, everything we should be doing should be bringing hope of his glory to people around us. That's what the fruits of the Spirit do. They bring hope to a glory of the Lord that we get to live a lifestyle shining his light. I'm, I'm pressed for time. So if we get to verse 13 here. And now abide faith, hope, and love. But Paul says the greatest gift is what? Love. The greatest of all these is love. What does love look like? Let me just tell you, love looks like something. Love looks like honor. Love doesn't always look like understanding. I don't understand some of this. I, I don't understand some of the whys. I don't understand some of the maybe the hidden agendas. I don't understand what it is to walk in a brown or black man's shoes or a woman's shoes or other people's shoes. I, I don't know. I don't know what that's like. I, I, I don't know. I've only walked in Aaron Simmons' shoes. I don't know. But love looks like me maybe trying to understand, and even when I don't understand, I just leave it in God's hands. I think we can all agree to do that. Like, even when we disagree about the COVID stuff or about this or whether I have to wear a mask or not, like, how quick we've forgotten about some of that the last three months. Our lives have been uproared and changed and transformed. That's what hate wants to do. Hate wants us to forget about the things at hand and the things that really matter. Jesus. Hate turns us away from Jesus. Where hate resides, love can't reside. Where fear resides, love can't reside, and peace can't reside. They, they can't coexist. But the fruits of the Spirit and the greatest gift, love. Let me, let me finish here. James 2.13 says this. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. But it says this. Mercy triumphs judgment. Mercy is the only thing that triumphs over judgment. There's so many judgments going on about so many things right now, not just the racial tension and the civil uprise and all of the protest and division. There is so much judgment going on right now. Judgment in the political realm, judgment in the religious realm, judgment. What's that tell you when this is all happening at once and there's all this happening all over the world? This is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual thing. And the one thing I know, even when I disagree, is mercy triumphs over judgment. Why don't you stand with me? I'd love to pray for you, and then uh, Steve's going to close out the service today because we know that love is the greatest gift. We know Christ looks like the hope of glory in us, and we know mercy triumphs over judgment. So even in my lack of understanding, I want to search out a clean heart in me, O oh Lord. Search out in me, Lord. Make sure I'm doing no wrong, and if there's things that need to be revealed in my heart, my mind, and my judgments or preconceptions or, or whatever, Lord, Lord, purify me. I repent. I repent for anything I've ever done or said that may have not revealed the fruits of your spirit, your mercy, your love. I've repented this week. Lord, if I've went off track and said racial jokes or joked around with my brother-in-law, we do at parties, at family get-togethers. We're like, we say all kinds of funny things to Rob, and it's not right. I got to ask permission to see if he likes that or doesn't like that. No, I'm just kidding. I've repented this week. If I've done any wrong, and the things that I have done or been a part of, or maybe not intervened, or maybe not spoke up, or not interjected, or maybe laughed at, I've repented. Search in me a clean heart, Lord. Let mercy triumph over judgment. So 
Steve, come on up, buddy. And there should be a microphone there in the stand. So we've decided as a church, instead of bickering and belly aching and complaining and, and rawr, we're going to do kindness evangelism. So we're going to repay evil with good. We're not going to repay evil with evil. We're not going to enter into a place to be um, of the world. We're going to be for the world. And we are going to show mercy over any judgment. Love you, man. If there's ever a time uh, in our community to be kind is now, would you agree? And uh, all of us should, or not all of us should, but I, I know that it's really important to practice kindness. I don't believe there's any such thing as a random act of kindness because I believe there's an intentionality behind every act of kindness. Every act of kindness has to be thought through. Every act of kindness has to be acted upon. Someone has to go buy the flowers. Somebody has to put a vase. Somebody has to put the water in it, attach a card. Then to actually pick, pick up something to be kind towards someone with a gift like we're doing today. It's intentional. And I believe that it really reflects the intentionality of our Father. God still loved the world that he did something with the love that he had, that he gave his only son. That if we believed that we would have everlasting life, there's intentionality behind the heart of God and everything that he does good. Everything that he does good because he is good. And so when we go out to do acts of kindness, when we go out to love people in practical ways, we're intentionally going, believing that our acts of kindness have power because it agrees with heaven. See, kindness agrees with heaven. Kindness uh, agrees with heaven. Love is patient, and love is what? Kind. God is love. God is kind. And so when we go out and begin to just to love our community uh, today, I would just encourage you to pick up uh, a vase or two of roses. There's a little card if you'd like to use a card. And just think on who you can go out and show kindness to. Be intentional. Yesterday, uh, Patty and I came up and we did did a couple, did all these things. I think it was yesterday or Friday. I can't remember the day. And so we, we practiced. We went to Menards, went up to customer relations place. Say, hey, we're from the upper room. We just want to give you a token of our love for you and our, our kindness towards you. Just to say thank you for being in our community, especially during this time when everything's been going crazy. And if you could have seen the girl's face and saw her smile and the connection that she had just with a simple act of kindness. And so she says, thank you so much. I'm going to take it into the staff room and leave it in the staff room. And then we went down to Tip City Fire Department, you know. So here I am, a guy, getting ready to go give a guy a rose. I thought that was really funny. But anyway, so we get out of the car, ring the bell, nothing was happening. So we went around to where the fire trucks were, and I said, hey, uh, I'm Steve from the upper room. We just want to let you know that we love you and care for you, and we pray for you, and we appreciate what you're doing in our community. And more than that, we pray for you. And so I so said, here's a rose that uh, we just wanted to give you just as a token of our love and care for you. And the guy says, man, that is so cool. <laughs> he says, I'm going to put it on the dining room table. <laughs> and so, it, you know, there's a rose of our love as Upper Room Worship Center to give to a fire department to show them God's love how in a practical way, in a practical way. I think the goal of all of this is to really to encourage us to practice being kind, practice 
being loved. And guess what? Guess where it begins? It begins in our families. It begins practicing to love one another in our families and our relationships. Yesterday was our 39th anniversary. Isn't that awesome? Guess who was a pain in the butt for about an hour of that day? And my wife was over there, yes. And I had to repent because that's where it begins. It begins at home. It begins practicing intentional kindness to those we connect to. Now, for the sake of time, I can't have a friend to come up today, and I apologize for that, but Rick and Pam, yes, Rick, how many times have I done that? Kurt and Pam are examples of living kindness. These guys do this all the time through their lifestyle. This isn't something that they uh, just do occasionally. It's like almost every day of the week they look and seek out people that they can love and care and appreciate. And Kurt went to this barbershop the other day, and for sake of time, can I just tell your story? He went to the barbershop the other day, and he saw a guy there who had a dog, a comfort dog from the military. And he's sitting there, he said, I was looking at him, and I was praying, oh God, is there anything that you want me to do for this man? Is there anything that I can do? Because I, I see your love for this man. That's what he was saying internally. That's the intentionality that he turned his heart toward God in the situation to ask the Father, is there anything you want to do in this situation? And he heard the Father's whisper said, pay for his haircut. And so he got up at the end of, at the, end of the guy's haircut and Kurt walked up and says, hey, I just want to pay for your haircut today to show you God's love in a practical way that Jesus loves you and cares for you. And the guy went, oh, no, 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 no. You don't need to pay pay for my, my, my haircut. Do you know what the barber said? No, you need to listen to him because this man loves you. And that's, that's the gist of what he said. Now, you see, these two, they exhibit it all the time. They're intentional of listening and leaning into the Father's heart. And I commend you for that. When you told me that story, I told, told Patty drive into today, I say, I saw, I saw Kurt in a whole new light yesterday. His father was a barber, did 80 haircuts one day. And one day he did it. That's back in the bird days. That's when you burned them. But 80 haircuts in one day. So here's the deal. If these two can live it out as a lifestyle, how about us? Can we live it out as a lifestyle? Can we begin to look into situations where we go and begin to demonstrate God's love, sometimes with our words, sometimes with our actions, and recently, it's just listening. Recently, it's just listening, seeking to understand, just listening. So today what we want to do is we want to show God's love in a practical way. Would you agree with me? Can you be intentional today? Can you be intentional? And one last thing I'd like to ask you to do, would you just give an applause uh, for Pam and Kurt? Would you just give them applause today for being an example? He asked me yesterday, he said, Steve, if I get up on the stage, I'm going to cry. You know why he cries? Because God's got his heart. He's got his heart. Tender place. A tender place. We love you guys. We appreciate you being here. So let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are the God who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth. And we thank you, Father, that you are kind. We thank you, Father God, that you've called your church to connect with you, your intentional plan, your great grace plan for us to go and to show to go and to be those you've called to yourself. And so today, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this wonderful worship today, Lord. We thank you that we were able to honor you today. We thank you that we were able to to pray today. We thank you, Father God. We got to hear a message that stirred our hearts. And now, Father, we thank you that we're able to come back together as a church. We're grateful. We're grateful, Lord. We're able to come back together as a church. And as we go, Father, we ask you to bless, bless us this week. And, Father, everything we do, we ask for your anointing to be upon us, to help us to be who you are in our world, in our communities. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.